Hey everyone! In case you haven't noticed, we live in some confusing, challenging, and changing times. It sure isn't easy to follow Jesus in 2021. How can we stay grounded in our faith? Stay true to biblical convictions? And how can we become more like Christ and share Him with the world around us? This is Real Christian Talk with Pastor Steve. To this week's episode of Real Christian Talk. Have you ever wondered, what is the world coming to? Have you ever looked around, read a blog, seen an online news article, or dare watch the news for even a few minutes and wonder to yourself, where is all this headed? What a mess that is all around us. Well, that's what I felt on my heart for us to discuss here in this week's episode. And as usual, I want to begin with God's Word, and today I'll be reading from 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 13, which say this, The day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be but to live lives in holiness and of godliness? waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. That's where our starting point is for this episode, and I think it's important for us to have that as our centerpiece of perspective. You know, everybody has a worldview. What is a worldview? Worldview is that lens through which you look around and you interpret the various things that happen to you, the things that are going on. That's how we filter and sift through, you know, ideas and philosophies and, and values and choices and, and, and all the, the messaging that we are bombarded with on a regular basis. And everyone has a worldview. And for us as a Christian, uh, the Bible ultimately, as the inspired, without error, Word of God, should be our authority and should be that mirror through which we look at ourselves and through which we are uh, shown the, gl the glory of the Lord. And in getting to know the Lord and getting to know His Word, we should have a proper perspective. We should be able to see the world as God sees it and have what the Bible describes as the mind of Christ. And so for us as Christians, as we look around at what has become of uh, our planet here and of the tumultuous times in which we live in, it's important that we not lose sight of our perspective and of our um, worldview. And our worldview is that the mess that we are seeing that is all around us will ultimately lead to the triumphal, victorious, glorious return of Jesus Christ and the installment of his kingdom, which will lead to a new heavens and a new earth, where if you read the end of the Bible, it, it ends where in a sense it began with us getting the world that is free of evil and pain and suffering and death and blissful fellowship with God. We get that world, which Genesis 1 talks about. We get it back and we get it restored. And that is... is where things are headed. And it's important for us to not lose sight of that because it sure is tempting and easy for us to get wallowing in, in fear 
and anxiety and discouragement and anger and frustration and all the things that have been building here recently. You know, it really seems as if these last couple of years have just been a time where there's been a lot of of, of building of different things that are all taking place. And every once in a while, you have like a day or a week where all of a sudden the word crisis is on multiple fronts. And for here, right now, uh, those of us who live in the United States of America and particularly in the East Coast of the United States, uh, suddenly within a 48-hour period, there were some major crises happening. Uh, there was a, a, a cyber hacking into a, a major pipeline that supplies gasoline to drivers here like me in the east coast and so as a result suddenly you're starting to see images that we haven't really pictured in our minds uh since the 1970s where there was an energy crisis scenes of long lines at the gas station and you know talk of you better store up because or fill up your tank because you may not get to here as supplies have been cut and and kind of like the toilet paper craze of last year People are hoarding and, and panic buying and, and really they're, they're creating the very shortage that they are fearing when they do things like that. But I watched in just 24 hours as gas went up by almost 20 cents a gallon uh, over here. So no doubt that's a huge problem. Um, combine that with disappointing job numbers that show that our economy is still sluggish and, and far from out of the woods from the pandemic. Um, the political drama that's been unfolding uh, in D.C., particularly within the Republican Party and, and just questions over its future. Uh, the ongoing coronavirus pandemic, which has been showing good news here in America, but over in India and other countries, they're getting overwhelmed. And I have to say, I feel such a, a compassion for the people of India because the images that I'm seeing are exactly what we had feared we were going to have happen here in, in, in America where, you know, our health system was going to be overwhelmed. And uh, in some parts of the country, it, it certainly was more of a problem than other parts. But what India is going through is heartbreaking. And then to top it all off, we have a new Middle East crisis. And while I use the word new, I should say the most recent Middle East crisis. It's certainly not new. It goes all the way back to biblical times. But uh, Israel and Hamas are trading uh, rocket fire and, and aerial bombardment, and there's been clashes in Jerusalem, and there's been all kinds of, of tension there and, and, and a lot of spinning for what's going on there in the Middle East. And, and it's really coming from people that are either ignorant of history and or who are ignorant of having a biblical lens through which we should view what's happening in the Middle East. So there's been so much that's been going on, and I really was struggling with this week's episode. I usually have, um, you know, for, for my faithful remnant that uh, tune into this episode, excuse me, to this show regularly, I usually have recorded and released by now, but I really was wrestling with what what should I comment on? You know, with this show, I really do, I take it almost, I take it really as, as a sermon in a sense where I always approach a sermon with asking God, what's on your heart? What? What do you want me to convey on your behalf? And uh, and that's how I approach these podcast episodes. And so, you know, um, there may be times where, I'll where I will get to record a few episodes in advance, but really it's been a week-by-week -week thing, and I really do try to comment on things in real time as they are uh, unfolding and as they're happening. And I think it's important for us as Christians, uh, again, to see the big picture and to hold on to the big picture of, of where this is all going, of what God is doing, and what uh, our response should be, and what our motivation is 
for what our response should be. Those are the kind of things I'd like to unpack in this episode. So uh, I remember, I remember uh, right around the year 2000 when we were entering the new millennium. And uh, if you remember that time, gosh, over you know 20 years now, uh, there was a lot of optimism, a lot of euphoria, a lot of excitement as we were going to be changing the calendar into a new century and, and into a new millennium. And, and I remember, you know, back in those days, I was an avid watcher of Larry King and uh, his interviews that he would do. And I remember as we got close to the turn of the century, he had a panel of religious spiritual leaders to talk about what we can expect or what, you know... Um, what their message would be for the world moving forward. And so he had, you know, Muslim cleric, he had a Hindu uh, cleric, a Buddhist leader, he had, you know, a Catholic priest, he had um, an evangelical pastor, he had a Jewish rabbi, he had, you know, several religious leaders. And as the end of the interview is coming, and throughout the interview, it's very clear that really the evangelical Christian stuck out from all the other religious leaders. All the other religious leaders were, were playing the same, the same tune when it came to what their messaging was. And so at the end of the episode, Larry King asked them, what do you expect for or hope for? What should we expect for the world moving into the 21st century? And uh, everybody said, you know, you know, peace and you know, uh, that the world's going to become a better place and things are going to keep getting better. And we should, and, and of course it's like, well, naturally you want to, you want to hope for that. And, and who wants to not see peace or not see human advancement and technology and, and, and all those things. It's kind of, you know, let's have this utopian euphoric vision for the future, like Gene Roddenberry, you know, for Star Trek. And, uh, and that's great. But, uh, the problem is that there's this thing called human nature, which the Bible says, uh, is synonymous with a sinful nature. So, uh, you know, as Larry King asked each of the religious leaders to comment on, you know, what, what do you believe the future holds for the world in the 21st century? After all of the other religious leaders had spoken, he got to the evangelical Christian and the evangelical Christian leader said, um, you know, I hate, I hate to have a a different tune here, but I, I believe that the world is going to get worse before it gets better. And I remember, you know, again, just being taken aback by how, again, a biblical worldview is radically different um, than than everyone else's. And biblically speaking, we are told that since Christ returned to heaven, we have been living in a period called the last days. And the last days will will continue until Christ returns. And when you look at the epistles of the New Testament, it's very clear that the apostles believed that they were going to live uh, for the return of Christ, that they were going to witness the return of Christ. And um, obviously that didn't happen. And I think part of why they started writing things down is because it was clear that, um, you know, people were dying. They, you know, And so maybe Jesus was going to take a little longer than they had expected. But something that's very fascinating with how God set things up is when the Bible talks and speaks of Christ's return, there's always common themes. And some of those themes are that it's imminent, that it's going to be at any moment, that it will catch the world, and and that we, those of us who know and follow Christ, should be ready and, and be prepared for when that, that moment is coming. And God set it up prophetically in a lot of ways to where every generation, I'm willing to place my money, every generation of Christians that has ever lived believed that they were the generation that would see the return of Christ. 
Now, I'm not going to get into the theological debates over the sequence of events for how that will unfold. I, I personally still lean towards a pre-tribulation, you know, uh, rapture, you know, view of things, but uh, I'm not dogmatic about it. Uh, what is definitely clear is that Jesus Christ is coming and the church should be ready. And that at the end of all of it, as Billy Graham once said, I've read the end of the Bible and everything is going to be okay. And that's the message that, that should fill all of us as we live in distressing, discouraging times uh, with, with some hope and with some assurance and with some certainty. Uh, but what's always fascinating when it comes to the return of Christ, when it comes to you know this subject, what's always fascinating is that you have two types of people. You have people that are that are that are scared and people that are excited, people that are ready. Um, you know, I, I would when when there'd be a, um, some false prophecy that come out that you know Jesus was going to return on such and such a date. A lot of times, my non-Christian friends would would ask me about it you know, because they don't know much about the Bible. And they'd ask me, you know, is there truth to this? And, and, and they'd say, you know, like, that's not really going to happen. Is it You know, like they'd be half joking and then they get really serious, um, you know, because the return of Christ and that subject is a reminder to us that, you know, uh, you know, we're all going to be held accountable before the Lord and we're all going to have to be ready to meet him. And that could come at any moment and at any time. And so God set it up prophetically so that every generation could point to things that were happening in their lifetime and say, oh, see, there it is, there it is, yep, okay, he's coming any moment, any time, we're ready. Now, to be ready for the Lord does not mean we should all uh, get plane tickets and head over to the Mount of Olives in Israel and, uh, and and sing Kumbaya, my Lord, and wait for Jesus to bust through the sky and take the church and, and to usher in his kingdom. I don't personally believe that that's what being ready means. But being ready does mean that we live our lives here with a degree of um, urgency, recognizing that the times in which we are living in are serious, and therefore we should be serious and not casual about our faith, about our witnessing to others, and about uh, our, our, our dedication and, and uncompromising devotion to the Lord. Back 20-some years ago, I was very interested in the subject of eschatology and the end times and, and uh, you know, what 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 prophetic things need to happen um you know i was really really sucked into being so focused on that and and it became kind of unhealthy so i've you know i kind of balanced myself out a bit from that but i do believe that one cannot take the bible seriously and what it has to say about the signs to look for for when jesus is coming and not see many of those signs unfolding in our time and while I again would acknowledge that the signs Jesus provides in Matthew chapter 24, everything from natural disasters to, you know, wars and pestilences and, and uh, nation turning on nation and, you know, everything he has to say about the breakdown of society, the love of many will grow cold, um, you know, everything he has to say about deception and false messiahs, false prophets, false teachers. Throughout church history, we've had that. But Jesus gives a hint for how things will unfold prophetically when he says in Matthew 24 that all these signs are the beginning of birth pains. And birth pains, uh, my wife, you know, has given birth to our children and uh, any woman that's listening can attest uh, that's given birth, you know, hey, birth pains are, uh, that usually involves an increase in both the number of contractions as well as the intensity level of them. 
And biblically speaking, that is how we should view the signs that Jesus gave. And I certainly believe that that is and has been occurring. And there is one unique feature to biblical prophecy that is unique to our time that I do strongly believe in, and that is Israel and the Middle East. Some Christians believe that the church has replaced Israel and that therefore God's promises, his covenant promises to the Jewish people regarding uh, their status as a people, as a nation, and of having the land that is at the geographical center of the world is null and void by their rejection of Jesus as the Messiah. Now, while I do believe that every individual uh, person, including Jew or Gentile, needs to place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for their personal salvation and redemption, I do not believe that uh, God's promises to the Jewish people as a people or to their land is null and void. In fact, if you look into biblical prophecy, God repeatedly promised that the Jewish people would not be annihilated from the earth and that the land that he promised them was an everlasting possession, an everlasting covenant, and that though they would reject him, he would disperse them around the world and he would restore them and bring them back. And then there's a number of biblical passages that speak of an end of days showdown basically between a Jewish nation at the heart of the Middle East and everyone else around them. And the stage has been set for that. In 1948, the Jewish state of Israel was established by the UN and originally the United Nations had a, a partition plan for two states, one Jewish, one Arab, one Israel and one Palestinian. And uh, Israel accepted, the Jewish state accepted the conditions of that arrangement the Arabs rejected it and launched a war on Israel in 1948 to stomp Israel out of existence before it was barely past its infancy in 1948. Well, Israel won that war as they've won every war ever since, and they've reconquered more and more sovereignty over the land that the Bible says was the Jewish people's to begin with. Now, we could get into a whole different discussion as to the Middle East peace conflict. I believe God loves all people. He loves and wants uh, the salvation of, of those uh, who live in, in Palestinian-controlled areas. He loves and cares for all the Arab and Muslim countries. Jesus died for everyone. But as a Christian, I do believe not that Israel is faultless, never makes mistakes, or shouldn't be held accountable for any abuses, but I do believe in supporting the Jewish state of Israel. I do believe the world always spins and turns against Israel, just as Scripture says they will. And I believe personally that one of the reasons the United States of America is and still is the most blessed nation on earth is because the United States of America is the one country in the world that has always, up to now, steadfastly stood by Israel. So I say all that to say that what's going on in the Middle East right now, speaking very much in the tone of Zechariah chapter 12, is an indication to all of us that we should be paying attention that we should be taking the times in which we live in seriously, that we should uh, that we should follow what 1 Peter chapter 4 tells us, which is the end of all things is at hand, so be sober-minded and be self-controlled for the sake of your prayers. I believe we should be more bold about our witnessing. I believe we should uh, not live in fear in light of what's going on. Not in fear, but in hope and in faith. You see, what's very easy for us with everything that's happening in our culture, everything that's happening economically or, or you know, with uh, foreign affairs and what's going on in the world or with how we feel uh, about who's in political power or, or what's going to, you know, happen next, even as we're still coming out of this pandemic, but still in this pandemic, 
it's easy for us as Christians to uh, to dread the future, to be in fear, rather than stick out from everyone else by having an assurance of hope. And I would put forward to you that all of us who know Christ should see the future with optimism, with bright hope. Titus chapter 2 says that, that, that we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Titus tells us that Christ's return is our blessed hope. Hope that's not wishful thinking for the future, but that's based on certainty. It's based on a deep-rooted assurance that the same God who loved the world, gave his son, raised his son from the dead, whose son is now seated at the right hand of that God, the Father, will one day return in triumph, in glory, and will establish his kingdom. His kingdom that will outlast every other. His kingdom that, that is that rock which smashed the statue of empires in the book of Daniel to pieces. It's that empire that will last throughout all eternity. And it's that world he will bring about, that world we are told in 2 Peter 3 that's going to be that's going to be where righteousness dwells where sin has been dealt with and we get to enjoy fellowship with God like we've never been able to have since the garden of Eden. And so knowing all these things, knowing that that's what our future is. That's where the story is going to end. May we as God's people hold on to our worldview, hold on to the lens through which we view the mess unfolding all around us because we know how the story will end we know who will be the victor and that is going to be jesus and only those who know him and so as believers living in the last days i believe it's important for us to take our personal love to the lord seriously jesus tells parables in matthew chapter 25 about servants of his that were not prepared not ready who got lulled to spiritual sleep and complacency and compromise and comfort because of his delay his seeming delay in returning may we not find ourselves being in that spot but may we be ready may we be looking may we be waiting and living out our lives here on this earth in such a way so that our desire is to please our maker so that when we do meet him, whether that's by his coming or by death, we are ready to meet him and we will not be ashamed, but rather we'll be filled with joy because we'll know that we have brought joy and a delight to our Lord, to our Savior. May we get bold and serious about sharing our faith with others because we live in unprecedented times and with living in unprecedented times, that also means we have unprecedented opportunities to share the message of Jesus Christ and the assurance and the hope that we can have through a relationship with him. So may we resolve to ourselves to be ready for when our Lord is coming. Because the truth is, he could come before I even finish the end of this episode and of this broadcast. That is how we should live. Every day, as if today will be the day when our Lord and our Master comes and returns. May we be ready. May we be prepared. And even as we see things unfold that are all around us that are scary, that are frightening, that are discouraging, that are depressing, may we remind ourselves of the lens through which we view the world. And that lens must be a biblical filter. And that biblical filter tells me that everything that's happening in the world is all part of the story of what God is ultimately bringing about. And while I do not know what the next few days or weeks or months or even years will be holding for all of us, I do know who ultimately 
holds the future, and I know, even though without the details of where the story is going, we can know how the story will end. And so I hope and pray that that will encourage you. As Paul encouraged all of us to do in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 through 14, I encourage you to stand firm in your faith and let everything that you do be done in love. God bless.